you know, originally I was actually going to join the Marines and I went and spoke with a Marine recruiter. Um, and, you know, I asked him, you know, why the Marines? They're like, oh, you know, we're the toughest branch. You know, we don't, we don't sleep in hotels. We sleep in foxholes and you get dirty and, you know, work out every single day. And then I was like, I don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, I don't want to. <laughs> I went and talked to the Air Force. I was like, why the Air Force? They're like, dude, we have hotels, you know, AC, <laughs> offices, really good food. And I was like, say no more. Like, that's, the, that's the kind of military I want to join. Welcome to Contentious Talks, the weekly podcast where we talk to influencers, celebrities, politicians, and everyday people to show that we all have unique opinions, and that's a great thing. I'm your host, Ryan Malinowski, and this week we are talking to Ante Drew Webb. How you doing, Ante? Doing pretty well, thank you. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, as you said, my uh, first name is Ante, but I uh, tend to go by Drew. Uh, middle name's just a little bit easier to spell and remember. Uh, you know, when I go to Starbucks and I tell them my name's Ante, you don't even want to know what they write on the cup. Uh, but I hail from the great state of Michigan. I was born in a, a city called Grand Rapids, uh, which is actually the second biggest city in Michigan behind Detroit. Um, I... Uh, at the age of tender age of 19, I went off and joined the Air Force. Um, I got to uh, travel to a couple different places, such as Texas, Missouri. Uh, the last base I was stationed at was in Georgia, uh, which is how I ended up here. And uh, now I now I uh, I'm sitting in a car with a guy I barely know, talking on his podcast. Cool. So, grew up in Michigan. Did a stint in I'm guessing. San Antonio, because you were in the Air Force? Correct. Yeah, basic training was in San Antonio, Texas. Okay. I think that's the only place to do basic training for the Air Force, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Different, so, different branches, well, different places, but the Air Force just has one. So everybody goes to San Antonio if you're in the Air Force. Correct. Um, moved around a bit, ended up in Georgia, and stayed in Georgia, huh? Yes. I enjoy the weather uh, down here a lot better than I do up in Michigan, so okay. I decided to stay. So why, uh, why the Air Force? Uh, well, when I was in high school, I had a really good friend of mine uh, who was actually joining the Marines, and I had never, ever considered the military. I actually used to be pretty anti-military, pretty anti-gun, um, but, you know, when a, a really good friend of mine you know, joined, I decided to hear him out, you know, wanted to hear his reasons why he joined. Uh, it just sounded like a really cool, uh, really cool situation, because I, I myself, I was never a huge fan of school. Uh, and so the thought of going to college, you know, doing four more years directly out of high school really just didn't interest me. Uh, I thought that this could be a, you know, uh, a great way to get out of doing that. And then no one's also going to judge me and think that I'm a you know, failure to launch because I joined the military. <laughs> you know, it's a great thing. So, uh, you know, originally I was actually going to join the Marines and I went and spoke with a Marine recruiter. Um, and, you know, I asked him, you know, why the Marines? They're like, oh, you know, we're the toughest branch. You know, we don't we don't sleep in hotels. We sleep in foxholes and you get dirty and, you know, work out every single day. And then I was like, I don't I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, don't wanna... <laughs> I went and talked to the Air Force. I was like, why the Air Force? They're like, dude, we have hotels, you know, AC, <laughs> offices.
services, really good food. And I was like, say no more. Like, that's, the, that's the kind of military I want to join. Uh, so <laughs> so you, you did your part. You did your, you did your service to your country, huh? Yes, yes. So it was really just quality of life. You know, the Air Force really does have the best quality of life. So um, that was really the, the deciding factor. And, and overall, I think I did choose the, uh, the right branch. Okay, awesome. What did you do in the military? Uh, well, when I first joined the military, I was a uh, military cop. Uh, security forces is what we called it in the uh, Air Force. Okay. Uh, I was stationed at a nuclear base, so my primary duty was really just a, a glorified security guard, uh, making sure nobody tried to steal the nukes, uh, which they never did. Um, so a lot of my day was just watching grass grow. Um, I actually had the opportunity to, uh, uh, after you know a couple years there, a year, year and a half, I actually got the opportunity to work full-time in the armory on base. Um, which was a lot of fun. So I got to work with guns all day. I was basically in charge of, uh, you know, the accountability, making sure that, you know, uh, only the people that were certified on certain weapons got them and making sure that we got all the weapons back at the end of the day and we weren't missing any ammunition. Uh, also got to uh, work the range too. So in the military, we obviously have to stay qualified on our weapons, shoot a couple times a year. Um, so being in the armory, I got to actually you know, get certified as one of the range instructors, and, uh, you know, go on the range and, uh, help people uh, teach them how to shoot, which was really fun. Uh, but after my uh, time as a military cop, I then retrained to become a paralegal in the military, and I worked in criminal law, uh, which uh, in the military we have our own court system and everything. So uh, basically my job was to get the uh, the bad people in the military out, um, and that was honestly a lot of fun. That was probably my favorite favorite uh, duty in the military is being a, a paralegal. Awesome. How long were you in? Uh, five years. Five years. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you for your service. Thank Appreciate you for your that. support. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you said when you were when you were younger, you used to be pretty big anti-gun. Uh, yeah. Which is why you really have never considered the military. What? Uh, I assume your stance has changed based on that statement. What? What kind of changed your mind on that? And what do you what do you believe about that now? Um, I think it was, uh, you know since it was you know, my best friend in high school, he was joining the military. And I guess I, I had nobody close to me who had ever joined the military before. So I wasn't even open to hearing them out, but having such a close friend of mine join, you know, I just asked him, you know, why are you doing it? What are the reasons? And, you know, when he was kind of telling me about the military, my preconceived ideas of it really weren't, uh, weren't, weren't true. And I think uh, a lot of people don't realize what the military is actually like. I think a lot of people's perceptions, you know, come from, movies and television shows and it's it's really much much different um so no yeah my my stance has definitely changed i'm definitely uh you know, i consider myself a pretty patriotic person and i uh, definitely support the military uh, you know while i always didn't have the most fun while i was in um, i definitely don't regret doing it uh, i'd probably never do it again but uh, i'm very very proud that i did it one of the hardest things i've ever done in my life but no i definitely support the military now um you know as i say one of my I had uh, was, got pretty familiar with guns in the military. Figured out that um, you know, truly is you know, guns don't kill people. Um, you know, it is people that uh, that, that kill people. So it kind of changed my perspective on everything. And uh, honestly, in the military, you just meet all these different types of people from uh, you know different walks of life. That honestly kind of broadened my horizons and, and made me a you know, more open person, more well-rounded. Because uh, I I would say that uh, you know, my whole life I was kind of you know around just a certain group of people um, so I never really got to hear you know, ideas that challenged my own um, 
So it, uh, it was really, uh, I guess the uh, the catalyst was you know, my friend joining the military. And, uh, as I got in and as I started to talk to more people, I guess my opinions slowly started to change over time. Gotcha. So it's pretty early in the podcast and you've already used up the, your one cliche for it. So good job. What's that? That uh, guns don't kill people, but people oh, kill people. Okay. So way to go. Okay. Um, so you mentioned that you're pretty patriotic now. Yes. Um, you know, kind of in regards to talking about being supportive of the military, supportive of uh, guns and whatnot. Do you, do you believe in order to be a patriot that you need to be supportive of those things? No, uh, not necessarily. Okay. Uh, I mean, I think that's the the beauty of America. I mean, you can uh, we have we have freedoms here and. Uh, you know, no matter what you believe in, uh, you have the ability to believe in it, and that's why I think it's uh, you know, so great about America. You know, I um, I think that you know there should be a healthy respect for those who choose to you know serve their country, um, but I also think that it's it's great that we live in a place where you know you don't necessarily have to support them, and you you can say whatever you want, you can believe in whatever you want. Um, you know, I'm going to think you're a dick, but um, you know it's a beautiful thing that you can believe in that. Um, so no, I uh, I would you know, I stand up for uh, you know anybody's beliefs even if they don't agree with my own. So no, I don't believe you know in order to be a, uh, you know, a, a patriot you need to necessarily support the military, necessarily support guns. Um, but uh, I think it would definitely be you know, a good idea. <laughs> Why do you believe that? Why it would be a good idea? Yeah. Uh, because those, uh, you know, those people that are, are serving the country are defending those freedoms that, you, that you're able to, uh, you know, you utilize every single day. Uh, so, you know, whether or not you necessarily agree with war or whether or not you necessarily believe in the, uh, the military, I guess, you kind of got to know that it's a necessary evil. Because honestly, I can understand the other side. I can understand why people, um, you know, don't always like what the military does and the missions. And there's definitely been, you know, some terrible things that the military has done and there are definitely some terrible people in the military, um, but I think overall it's, it's necessary. Right on. You had mentioned that uh, your understanding of the military mainly came from movies and media and that type of thing. Yes. Um, as you gained a better understanding, what did you find were the main differences between what Hollywood showed us and the actuality of it? Uh, well, you know, I thought, one, um, that, uh, you know, the, the classic perception of basic training that you were going to get yelled at all the time, that you were going to get, uh, you know, put on your face, forced to do push-ups and, and hard labor, and they were going to, you know, throw you against a wall. Um, one, I thought, you know, not only was basic training going to be like that, I thought that was just going to be, you know, your life 24-7. Um, you know, you were always going to get yelled at. You were always going to, you know, get forced to, you know, work out. And, and, you know, I thought everybody was infantry. I thought everybody had a gun. I thought everybody went to war. I thought everybody which is bullet fodder, um, but you know, that definitely isn't the case. I mean, there's a plethora of jobs in the military. And, um, some aren't that much different from their civilian counterparts. I mean, there's actual office jobs. Um, my second job in the Air Force was an office job. I worked in air conditioning all day after, after I, uh, you know, after I was done being a cop in the Air Force, I never touched a gun again. Um, so it's, it's, uh, and I barely got yelled at, um, so you definitely get yelled at a lot in basic training, don't get me wrong, but you know, they're just rules that I never thought existed. Like, you know, they're not allowed to swear at you, um, which was interesting because I thought I was gonna get, you know, cussed out on a, on a daily basis. I thought they didn't care about that in the military, but no, that's, that's one of the rules. 
Um, another rule in basic training was that they could never, uh, if, if your uh, military uh, training instructor wanted to make you work out, uh, they had to work out with you. So like, if you were going to do push-ups, your military training instructor had to do them with you um, just to avoid, uh, it was kind of accountability to make sure that they didn't push you to exhaustion. Because obviously if the military and training instructor couldn't do it, he couldn't make you do it too. Interesting. Uh, they couldn't, they could never touch you. They could never lay hands on you. Um, so yeah, I realized that, that, you know, the, the military has, uh, you know, really, really strict rules and they do, uh, you know, try to ensure, um, you know, everyone's safety the best they can. Awesome. So what was your life like growing up? Uh, my life growing up was, it was, uh, interesting. It was, uh, you know, I feel like in my it was kind of weird because towards the towards the you know beginning of my life, I would say it was pretty dysfunctional. I had like a a pretty normal um, you know stint in the middle, and then I kind of uh, towards my you know early to mid teenage years became pretty dysfunctional again. Uh, I think a, a lot of it had to do with uh, um, you know with my father. Uh, me and him are kind of polar opposites, and I I kind of. Uh, contribute or attribute the, uh, the dysfunction to, to the times that he was around. Gotcha. What uh, what are the big differences between you and your dad? Well, uh, you know, my dad. Uh, probably the the biggest difference is that my dad has uh, really been a you know a career criminal his whole life. Um, from a you know. A, been in and out of jail probably you know five six seven times um, you know my dad had never actually graduated high school um, you know my dad had a you know a great disdain for you know, law enforcement um, he never really was able to you know support his family hold down a job um, you know he had uh, struggled with addiction unfortunately uh, so I never uh, never really felt super close to him um, and I never really uh allowed myself emotionally to get close with him for those reasons. So he was kind of just dad in title, huh? Correct. I would always kind of, uh, um, when I would, uh, you know, talk to my mom about my father, I would never call him by my father. I would always tell my mom, your ex-husband, uh, <laughs> kind of out of spite, you know? <laughs> it sounds like something you would do. Yes. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, two completely different lifestyles there, huh? Yes. One fair. career criminal, one, uh, I mean, where you started, kind of started out when you became an adult, you went in the military. Yes. Interesting. Um, are your parents still in the picture in life? Uh, so, um, you know, I, I have a very good, uh, relationship with my mom. I still talk to her every single day, even though she lives, you know, half a, half a country away from me. Or half the country away. Every um, mom out there right now is saying, "Oh, why can't my son be more like that?" <laughs> I know, right? I am the perfect child. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, you know, unfortunately, my uh, dad did pass away uh, a couple months ago. Okay. Um, so you know, he's uh, even prior to that, I never really, I hadn't talked to the man in about, uh, I want to say, six or seven years. Oh wow. Um, yeah, so I was never really close with him uh, either. So you hadn't talked to him since before you went into the military, really? Correct. Okay. Interesting. So how, how was, what was it like to receive that news then as a young person? Uh, talking about when my, uh, my father passed away? Yes. So it was, uh, you 
I'm definitely a, uh, it was, it was sad, but, uh, I can't say that it was, you know, a surprise, just the kind of lifestyle that he lived. Um, you know, he, he kind of, it was something that was to be expected. Um, you know, I always thought it was either going to be, you know, uh, some sort of overdose in drugs or, you know, he was going to end up, you know, um, with the people that he hung around with, he was going to end up getting shot and killed and it ended up being the latter, um, which is what happened. So, you know, I never, uh, you know, I wouldn't say that it was, uh, I wouldn't say my reaction was normal um, because, you know, my, my mom had called me and, you know, even though they're no longer together, she still considered, you know, him, uh, him a friend. And so she was, you know, hysterical and crying and, um, you know, she told me, you know, my more, I was more concerned for her. You know, I wanted to console her, but I wasn't torn up about it. I wasn't crying. It was definitely sad. Um, but you know, I can't really say that I was, uh, that I was surprised. Gotcha. So living in Georgia, what, uh, what do you do now? Uh, so now I am a outside uh, sales representative for a uh, home remodeling company, uh, making more money than I ever thought I would do at this age. Uh, so definitely a change of pace from what uh, you know, I've been doing my entire life. So you're in sales? Correct. Awesome. Why did you pursue a career in sales after the military? That seems a little bit polar opposite from each other. Yeah, well, prior to me joining the military, I did have some sales experience. Um, you know, my mom actually works in hotels up in Michigan, so that was my first job, you know, working in a hotel. Um, I also worked at, uh, you know, Best Buy for a little bit. Um, which is absolutely nothing like the sales that I do now. Um, but, you know, I, I enjoyed what I did. Um, and, you know, while I was in the military, while I you know, did enjoy being a law enforcement officer and I did enjoy being a, a paralegal, um, I realized that it just it just really wasn't uh, my favorite thing. I didn't, it really wasn't for me. So I kind of wanted to get back to, uh, uh, you know, what I was doing before the military. And I know that you know, the, the earning potential in sales is, is quite high. Um, and, you know, after getting out of the military and, you know, leaving a safety net, yeah, I never had to worry about, you know, bills. I never had to worry about, um, you know, losing my job because I know the military would always be there to, to help. So I definitely wanted to make sure that I found a job uh, that, you know, I was going to be able to have financial security, um, especially living in Atlanta where, you know, the cost of living is, is higher compared to some other places in the, in the country. So um, I guess it was a combination of the fact that, you know, I had a little bit of experience in sales and enjoyed it and obviously the, the earning potential. Gotcha. So you're young, single, and making a lot of money, huh? Yes. I mean, I think that wraps the podcast up. You know, how, uh, <laughs> how, how can all the ladies get in touch with you? Uh, they can uh, they can uh, hit me up on uh, Roblox uh, or uh, Fortnite. No. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So you're into video games then? Yes. Why video games? That's a good question. Ever since I was uh, super young, uh, I've been into video games. That was kind of, uh, that was, uh, you know, always been an obsession of mine. I've always probably spelt, spent uh, an unhealthy amount of time playing video games. Uh, that was also, uh, you know, when growing up, that's how my mother would uh, punish me as well. You know, she would never, uh, you know, send me to timeout. You know, she wouldn't hit me. She knew that the, the real kicker, the real way to get me a, uh, uh, to learn my lesson was to take my video games away. So um, it's just, it's always been a, you know, way to occupy my time. It's always been something I've been good at as well. And, um, you know, I love uh, doing things that I excel at. 
because uh, I'm not a huge fan of losing. So, uh, and you know, growing up, uh, I always felt that uh, I guess it was also just a good way to, uh, you know, to pass time and to. It's, I don't know how to explain it. It just felt perfect for my situation because, um, you know, probably from the age of two to the age of around 13, I believe, my dad was actually in prison, um, but my parents were still married. So um, we would often, uh, probably every other weekend, every weekend you'd drive up to go visit him. Um, and usually my dad was nowhere close. He was, you know, in a, in a prison, you know, sometimes five, six, eight hours away. Um, and so I remember, you know, in the car rides, you know, needing something to do. So I'd always have my, my Game Boy Advance or, um, you know, be waiting in the in the lobby, waiting to go back there to see him. So I'd always be playing my video games. Um, and uh, I remember, you know, in the early years of my life, just nothing was, uh, um, I didn't really have any stability. Uh, I remember my mom was bouncing back and forth between jobs. So I was living on, you know, different family members' couches and staying in different places. So I really didn't have very many friends of my own. So I guess video games is there to kind of fill the void. I can just, you know, hang out with myself and entertain myself during those uh, times as well. So uh, I guess it just kind of was ingrained in me from a young, young age and it's still a hobby I enjoy today. Gotcha. So are you a console gamer? Are you a PC gamer? So uh, I, I have a console. I, I definitely, I play uh, my Xbox. Uh, but I, I prefer the PC. That's probably my favorite, uh, my favorite uh, gaming system. Awesome. I know I own both. What uh, what genre do you typically play? Like first-person shooter, <sighs> RPGs. What do you like to do? I would say that uh, probably the most games that I play are strategy games. Okay. Uh, I think those are pretty fun. But you know, I, I do like uh, first-person shooters as well. If you'll you know, Call of Duty, Fortnite. Um, I even play uh, you know, Dead by Daylight. It's not really a shooting game, um, but uh, I'd say strategy is probably my favorite. But uh, then the first-person shooters are probably a close second to that. Okay. So you uh, you mainly do PC gaming? Correct. Okay. And what do you play on there? Uh, so Dead by Daylight. Uh, I'll play Overwatch. Uh, I'll do Fortnite. Uh, I play StarCraft Two, Diablo Three. Uh, Friday the 13th, that game is pretty fun. Um, I play a shit ton of uh, left, or, uh, Steam games. Uh, probably have like 30 different games on Steam. Um, honestly, uh, just uh, uh, I'm pretty much down for anything. Um, I have a habit of buying games and then playing them for an hour and then just never playing them again. That's what I always used to do when I was... When I played, I'd buy a game, play it for a day or two, yeah. and then get bored of it. Get like 70% of the way through the campaign and be done. Exactly. And then I wouldn't pick it up again for months. <laughs> I'd play it for an hour or two again. I'd be like, all right, this is it. Yeah. I'm finished. So. Basically. Growing up, what type of games did you play? You said you had a Game Boy Advance. Oh, yeah. I would play, uh, I think. Pokemon was my favorite game. Oh, yeah, and Yu-Gi-Oh. I was big into those games. I think I owned, like, six or seven different Pokemon games. But so I feel like growing up, everybody played Pokemon. I think that was just, like, the, the go-to game when you're a young kid. So you're a big nerd growing up. I was. No, then I, uh, then, you know, I got right. 
you know, I wanted to, wow. uh, okay. so. I didn't want to get bullied in school. <laughs> so you just played at home is what you're saying and didn't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of, yeah, uh, that tells me everything I need to know right there. Uh, right on. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing all that with us, Ante. No problem. Appreciate thanks for asking. It. Yeah, you're welcome. Do you have something to say? Then consider being on the show. Go to contentioustalks.com slash guest and apply today. That's contentioustalks.com slash guest to apply. Now back to the show. So next we're going to roll into everybody's favorite part of the podcast. We call it the Tough 12. There's three categories of questions, four questions in each category. And it's the point where it's consistent every single time. So every single guest gets these 12 questions, and we get different answers, and we get to learn about different people's opinions. All right? Exciting. So first category in the Tough 12 is politics. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Here's the first question. Yes. What is a fair society? Well, I think you're going to be getting uh, uh, you're going to be getting a, a very similar answer to me for probably a lot of these questions, I and mean, it's, it's it depends. Um, it really just depends on what you mean, because I don't think that uh, you know there's very few things are equal in this world, and very few things you know can truly be fair. Um, so, you know, I guess, you know, when, when I hear that question, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is, is law and order. So, you know, what is a, uh, you know, what's a, what's a fair judicial system? What's a fair justice system? Um, and, you know, I, I, as you know, you've heard with me explaining what I used to do and law has always been a topic that's interested me. And, um, you know, I, I guess I'm going to tackle this from, from, from two different ways, you know, what's, what's fair socially. And I guess what's fair, you know, legally. Um, but, uh, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, one thing I find interesting is that, you know, each, each country kind of has a different way of, of handling their, their judicial system and their justice system. And, um, you know, I might be a little bit biased cause like I said, I'm, I'm a patriot and I'm an American. Um, but I, I truly think that, you know, America is, is one of the most fairest justice systems that we have, uh, that the world has. Um, obviously it's not perfect and. Uh, like I said, nothing in this world is perfect and there still leaves room for bias and, and human error and, um, you know, people are, uh, you know, people are wrongfully you know, convicted. So, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, when I see things that are fair, cause you know, when I, when I think about the American justice system, what makes it fair, I think it's, it's the, um, you know, the fact that, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, just up to usually just not up to one person, you know, we have, uh, you know, everybody has a right to a to a jury of their peers. So it's it's you know getting multiple people's views, multiple people's uh, you know opinions and consensus on a certain issue. So I think when we're talking about what is fair, I think that's kind of a um, you know a similar theme that you'll find. I think that getting multiple people's opinions and multiple people's view on on things are, are what's considered fair. Like I think um, you know the way that we even when it comes to electing a president, you know how we vote. You know, we don't, uh, uh, you know, we don't have a, a monarchy, a king or queen. I wouldn't consider that fair. So I think, you know, when we're talking about fairness, I think that, uh, you know, a democracy is important. And I think multiple people's opinion is important. 
Uh, and I think that, you know, everybody should have a, a say in something. I think that that leads to, you know, to being fair. Um, you know, when I, when I think about on the social side of things, you know, what is fair, I think, um, you know, how we have laws that protect, you know, everybody, no matter, you know, what color, creed, you know, religion, you know, we all have a minimum wage. We all, uh, you know, there are laws protecting, you know, one gender from making more than other genders. So, um, you know, when we're talking about, you know, fair society, I guess, you know, those things that I was specifically mentioning are what, or what, uh, you know, I, I consider I, at least heading towards fair. I mean, it's a difficult question to answer because nothing, again, nothing is perfectly fair. Nothing is perfectly equal. Um, but I guess those were just a few examples of what I think, um, you know, represents fairness, in, at least here in America. So while you were talking, what I heard um, as a general theme is kind of decentralized um, authority and, you know, protections in place for pretty much everyone on some level. Would you, would you agree with that? I know it's a very broad kind yeah. of summary there, but yeah, it, it is super broad. Cause I mean, I, it also, you know, depends on, on, you know, the certain situations. I, I mean, there are situations that I can think of where, you know, you, there, there does need to be some central control, which I know again is another you know, huge reason why I think America is, uh, you know, one of the best uh, forms of government out there. Um, but yes, I guess if, if you could, uh, if I had to fit it into a box, I guess that would be a, a good uh, summary of what I said. Sure, and, and operating from the kind of stance that you took that nothing's really fair, you know, or completely fair, rather, is yeah. what you said. You know, obviously there's exceptions to pretty much every rule. Of course. Um, with the exception, in my opinion, of, of a handful of them. Like, there's probably never a good time to just outright murder someone awesome yes what is the number one issue facing uh humanity society however macro or micro you want to look through the lens hmm. what is the biggest issue facing society that's a very very good question You know, uh, I think that, uh, you know, there's, there's the obvious things, you know, there's the, uh, you know, there's global warming, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's the coronavirus, there's, uh, you know, current uh, you know, tensions with law enforcement, you know, current uh, racial tensions going on right now, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's North Korea, there's Russia, there's China, um, so everything, everything's everything. Yes, yeah, basically. I mean, <laughs> honestly, the the biggest the biggest issue. I mean, when it really boils down to, I mean, the biggest issue facing society is is humanity itself. I mean, we're kind of um, you know because when I mention all those issues, I mean it somehow kind of one way or another links back to humanity. Um, yeah, we're we're a bit masochistic, huh? Yes. Yeah. So I, I would I would think that you know it's humanity itself. Ironically enough, that that's kind of our biggest issue. We are. Um, you know, I think we are our own biggest enemy, and we kind of have to keep ourselves in check. Um, so, if I if I had to, you know, pick pick one boogeyman, I would say that that it, it's us. Uh, we are we are the issue. We are the problem. So, with that being said, then to rewind a second, but would you agree that if uh, if we just wiped humanity out, that would be a fair society? 
know because I think <laughs> I think society is a very it's a it's a it's a, it's a very human thing. Um, so humanity is a prerequisite for society. Correct. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Awesome. Uh, do politics matter, and why? Well, of course, politics matter. Uh, it's it is it's it's how. Uh, dealing with the government it's dealing with those who who run the government who serve it's it's the laws that govern us it's 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 our livelihood it's our life um, it's it's you know without the government without politics i mean we, we live in a, in a drastically different world and i mean you can look at you know other nations other countries and you can see you know what happens when you don't have a you know you know a strong government or when your government is too strong so um you know politics are important because there are um, you know, certain, certain things that we rely on our governments for. Um, so it's, it's, it's very, very important that, uh, that, uh, you know, that, that, you know, the government is there to serve its people. And also when we have a, an entity that has a, you know, a, a lot of power, it's, it's easy for that entity to become corrupt as well. So, you know, you also, you know, want to be sure that you're you know, aware of politics and what's going on to prevent that corruption from happening and to, Make sure that, uh, that you can live and live a live a happy and healthy life. So, how does the average American or citizen protect themselves from a government like that? Talking about from a government from becoming corrupt. Yeah. I mean, it can. It's as easy as you know casting your vote. It's as easy as staying informed about you know, the events, what's going on. It's as easy as. Uh, trying to uh, I guess that's, that's the biggest thing you know making sure that um, you're voting that you're electing those who you know, who you want to lead and, and you know voting on different uh, different laws and, and different representatives and, um, I think that's that's the that's the best way to, to stop corruption at its core is preventing uh, you know those uh, you know those bad people from uh, from doing it and I think that the government has a lot of checks and balances built into itself as well uh, which uh, I think uh, protects itself well you said it earlier but it definitely sounds like you've got some pretty patriotic beliefs now yes that is fair right on alright last question in politics here what role should government play? Uh, what role should government play? Uh, I think the number one role of the government is to uh, protect its citizens and its people. Uh, but the government has you know, a lot of roles other than that. I mean, the government protects its citizens and its people by obviously, you know, there's the military, there's, you know, local law enforcement. Uh, you know, they protect... Uh, you know, America's currency, they're also in charge of that, you know, making sure that, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, inflation doesn't take over, making sure that, um, you know, every, not every government does this, making sure people, you know, are able to live, have a fair, you know, wage, make sure that, um, you know, infrastructure is in place, you know, be it hospitals, be it, um, you know, the highway system, um, but uh, so the government plays, you know, many, many roles. But the number one role, I think, is, is protecting its citizens, protecting its people, uh, you know, 
be it from foreign governments, be it from terrorists, be it from diseases, be it from, uh, you know, financial disaster. So overall, how do you, uh, how do you think the government has been doing recently in that category? In terms of, you're relating to the coronavirus, is that what we're, uh, is that what sure. you're referring? Coronavirus, which whatever you want to talk about. It's, you know, it's interesting because obviously, you know, we have a Republican president right now and, uh, you know, traditionally Republicans don't believe in, you know, in, in a strong centralized government. You know, they, they prefer that, you know, states have more power. And I think that, you know, that was kind of how the coronavirus was approached with our current administration. I think that um, the states were kind of left to handle uh, themselves, um, which I think is interesting because, I mean, you have states like California and Michigan who were super duper strict. Um, you know, you have more relaxed states such as Georgia, such as Florida that were kind of, you know, uh, you know, the first to open up. They didn't really have as strict of rules. Um, so it's, you know, it's kind of hard to judge the, the country, given it an overall grade when everyone was doing something very, very different. Um, you know, obviously America leads the world right now in coronavirus cases, but, um, you know, we are one of the most populated countries and also we are the most free country. And I think one of the downsides, if you want to call it a downside of freedom, is that when things like this happen, I mean, you, you know, we, we're not like China. We can't just lock up all of our citizens, you know, confine them to their homes. Um, so it's kind of one of the, one of the, uh, if you want to call it a con of a free society is that, you know, when, when a virus occurs or something like this occurs, I mean, it's, you're not going to have the same response as a, as a, as a, as a country like China. Um, so that kind of, I think, leads into why we have so many cases. Because, I mean, our, our, our government's not going to come in and force us in our homes. We're not forced to wear masks. We're not, uh, it's just not, it's not what America's about. We're a, uh, we're, we're a free country. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's a balancing act of obviously protecting its citizens and making sure that this, you know, virus doesn't spread and doesn't, you know, kill people. But it's also making sure that we still have our freedoms at the end of the day. Uh, so... <clears throat> So it's a cost to liberty then? Correct. There's trade-offs. Correct. And I think that uh, obviously, it depends on the situation. I mean, it's not a, a one-size-fits-all. I think that, you know, this, the coronavirus has compared to, you know, some of the other pandemics and some of the other, you know, conditions, diseases, things that have gone around. Coronavirus doesn't, the, you know, the, the mortality rate is, is you know, not, not, not the worst. It's not... You know, when you compare it to something like Ebola, um, which thankfully was never widespread, but I mean, the fatality rate for Ebola was, was you know, way higher than, than the coronavirus. So I think that, um, you know, obviously if something like given, well, let's say Ebola were to spread as wide and as vast as coronavirus did, I think that maybe, uh, you know, the, the government should step in and maybe should play a little bit of a different role. I think it's all just, it, it all just depends. Um, I don't think that the coronavirus was, uh, you know, was the was the virus was the disease to, to you know, uh, just you know broadly take away liberty, take away freedoms. But you know, I'm not saying that maybe in the future there is a, a more deadly virus, a more deadly disease, where maybe the government does need to take more of a you know a hard stance against it to protect its citizens. Because uh, again, at the end of the day, I, I do believe that that's the number one role of a government, and to stay consistent with that logic. I mean, there there are times where. You know, the government might need to, uh, you know, take, uh, you know, affect our liberty. I just don't think that this coronavirus was it. Uh, but, you know, in the future, that opinion might change. There might be a, a time where, you know, 
government does have to you know, be a little more strict, a little more harsh. All right, on to the next category. You ready for this? Yes. Awesome. Uh, first question. This is this category is philosophy. Okay. Fun. 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 Uh, first question. Yes. What is truth? What is truth? Truth is the antonym of lie. Uh, it's something that actually happened. Um, I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> truth is truth is the, the the real deal. You know, I think it's 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 weird because you know the the truths can be different depending on you know different people. I think that you know in order to in order for it to be a lie, you need to consciously know it's not true. And I think that, you know, some things might be a lie to some other people, but it's the truth to some people. I think, you know, truth is something that, that is, that is real to you. Something that really happened that you really believe, um, if that makes sense. So, um, most truth would then be subjective. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Do you believe in absolute truths? I very rarely believe in absolutes. So, <laughs> very consistent answer with a worldview like that. I'm proud of you, man. Because <laughs> if you would have said no, mm-hmm. I would have asked, "Is that all? Is that absolutely true?" <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, that that's a very uh, philosophical answer there. Um, so good job, good Thank job. You. Right, right category to be philosophical. Yes. Way to go. Uh, next question here: uh, What do you believe about people's ability to change? What do I believe about a people's ability to change? I think it depends on the person. Uh, depends on what we're talking about too. I think there are certain things that obviously you can't change. There are certain, you know, genetic things that are a part of you. Like uh, what? Your 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 DNA, you know, you can't really change your DNA. Uh, you That's not where you were going to go with that. What do you it? mean? <laughs> what are you trying to say? Oh, nothing. I just didn't seem like where you wanted to go with that. Uh, so, so your DNA, okay. Yeah, can't change that. Can't what, change that. What else? What, what else can't you change? Yeah. What else do you believe you can't change? I mean, obviously, on a biological level, I think most people would agree that you can't change. Yes. Biological things. Correct. Um, you know, I think that there are certain things that are hard to change. Like, you know, given the you know the story about my father, how he was uh, you know a drug addict and alcoholic. I think that addictions can change. I think that they're hard to change, and I think that it's one of those things where it kind of always is there, where it's easy to slip back into. Um, you know, you can change your appearance with plastic surgery. So I think it, you know, it depends. It depends on the person too, because some people can change things more easily than others. Some people can't change at all. Um, I think it all has to deal with, you know, what's inside your head, um, you know, mentally, your fortitude. Uh, so it, it all, it just depends. So do you believe that you can affect your um, ability to change your fortitude, your your desire? I guess. Do you do you believe that we have control over that? Yes, to a 
point, I think it depends because I think that, I mean, we all have different motivations and I think that there are certain things that will motivate us more than other things. So, uh, you know, there might be a reason where you, you have a strong desire to change or where you would be willing to change, but then there's other reasons where somebody might not. So I do think that we can control it. Um, I think it just, it just, you know, not only depends on the person, but it depends on what's personally important to that person. Got it. How do you explain consciousness? So it, uh, it depends on how it's being used and what you mean, because there's, you know, there's the, the state of being conscious, being awake, being alert. Um, there is, when somebody talks about your conscience, you know, as opposed to your subconscious, your, your active mind, what you're thinking about, um, you know, some people will talk about conscience and, uh, in a sense that it's like, uh, like your, your, your morals, your, your inner voice. Um, so I guess it, it just depends on, on, on which, which way you're, you're using the word. So what, uh, what ways could you use the word? I just explained to you three different ways you can use the word. So how would you define it in those three different ways then? So there's, there's your, your conscience, you being, you, consciousness you being awake you being alert you as opposed to being unconscious and you know not able to uh you know control your body actively think um again there is so sorry would you define that as two different categories of consciousness or conscious consciousness i would i think that that's one category the the state of being okay. conscious as opposed to being so, unconscious so, okay i think that there is uh also, uh, a, um, uh, you know, I think that I kind of, I guess, a, a different category, even though it's very similar to the first category, is that as related to, you know, your subconscious or something that, you know, something that you don't actively think about, that you don't actively do, you know, your, 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 your breathing, you know, your heart beating that's in your, your subconscious, your, your ability to, uh, I don't know, your, your, your ability to speak, I, I guess that would be considered your, your subconscious, you know, stuff you don't think about, stuff you, um, you actively do. And then there's, there's, there's things that you do think about, like a math problem. You need to consciously think about that, you know, in order to do it. Um, and then there's, you know, someone's conscience, the, you know, your inner voice, your morals, your, 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 what drives you. Okay. Um, which I think is interesting too, because you know, I, I recently read a study that you know, not everybody has an inner voice. You know, some people think differently, which I think is interesting. You know, some people think in pictures, or some people think in shapes. And, um, some people's inner voice isn't their own voice. Some people's inner voice is like a different person's voice, which I think is super interesting. Well, it's the last question in philosophy. You made it through two categories. It doesn't even look like you've broken a sweat. Uh, but what exactly <laughs> makes you, you? I know you try not to sweat as frequently as possible, so with the video games and everything. Exactly. I'm lazy. Uh, what exactly <laughs> makes me... Just leaned right into it. Smart yeah. guy there. <laughs> <laughs> what exactly makes me... I mean, it's kind of... Uh, it's like a recipe. You know, there's different... Uh, speaking of Italians and cooking. Um, but, you know, if you think of a human as, as you know, different parts, there's there's your... Obviously, you know, your, your physical characteristics, your looks. Um, you know, that's part of what makes you you. That's how people usually identify you. Uh, you know, there's your, the voice, the way you sound, cause you know, I can identify certain people by the way they sound. I mean, even the way you smell, everybody has a certain smell. 
Um, and then there's obviously, you know, your personality, the, uh, uh, you know, the, the way you think, you know, the, the way you interact with people, you know, are you uh, extrovert, are you an introvert, you know, your sense of humor. Um, it's kind of like a, you know, a giant cookbook, a giant pot, you know, different parts of you, you know, different, uh, uh, a conglomeration of, of different things. I think there's thousands, you know, hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands of different things that goes into different people. Uh, yes. Ingredients. Yes. Gotcha. All right. Next category, last category of the tough 12. Mm-hmm. You're two thirds of the way through, but this is the personal and religion Ooh. category. Ooh. So first question here in this category, what do you believe about God? What do I believe about God? You know, I don't, uh, I don't know what to believe about God. I consider myself a very open person. I would never, uh, you know, if, 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 you know, I don't, I would never say that, you know, I, I absolutely believe that there is no God. Cause once again, I don't like absolutes. Um, but you know, religion has always been one of those things that has, uh, I've had a lot of questions about, you know, I might, I don't usually get a lot of good answers about it. Um, but, uh, you know, there are so many religions out there, you know, and, and obviously, you know, here in America, uh, you know, Christianity being the largest religion. Uh, but, you know, when you think about it in, in the, the scheme of the world, Christianity isn't even the most popular religion. So, you know, what, what makes that religion right compared to other religions? You know, we all have different ideas of who God is, what God is, what happens to us after death. And everybody thinks that they're right. Um, but obviously not everybody can be right. Um, so there's a lot of people who are wrong. Um, so it's, 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 who do you believe? I mean, everybody claims they're right. Everybody has different origin stories for the, the world. And I mean, even when you look back in the past about past religions, I mean, there's the, there's the Greek gods and the, and the Roman gods and, and things of those nature, which now we, we consider those myths and we, you know, it's, it's people, you know, the average person wouldn't believe in that. People would look at you like you're crazy. But I mean, back then, people actually believed in that stuff, and then that that's that's they they thought they were right, and you know that was their religion. Um, but uh, you know, I think at least back then, people used religion to explain things that they couldn't understand, um, which I think is the root of a lot of religions. Um, you know, people. You know, you know, you think about you know those uh, ancient mythology. I mean, people needed gods to. There was you know that's why storms. Whoops. That's why the storms happened. That's why, you know, the sun, that's why, you know, there were tornadoes. That's where the oceans came from. You know, there were different gods representing different things, gods of love, gods of, you know, we needed that to explain things that we didn't understand. But obviously as the world progressed and science got better, we, we started to understand why different things happened. And I think that science has kind of always been at odds with religion. Uh, and it's it's and that's kind of why I, a lot of the reasons why I have my doubts because again, uh, you know, like I said, there 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 are a bunch of different religions and everybody can't be right and your religions have changed over time. We haven't always had the same religions and and I do believe that at a core, I think religion was made to explain things that that we don't we didn't understand at the time. I mean, even when you think about a lot of the books that are in the Christian Bible, uh, a lot of the stories, um, you know the you think about, you know, things like Noah's Ark, and again, I, I, I have a, a very rudimentary understanding of, of a lot of the stories and, and, and things that go on in the Bible, but, um, you know, I mean, you know, when it came to, 
explaining you know, it's, it's just, it just doesn't seem something that's possible. I mean, uh, like an, an ark that was, could hold every single species of, of animals. I mean, knowing now, I mean, there's hundreds of that, there's hundreds of thousands you know, of different species of millions of different, and like this, how could you ever fit all those onto a boat? How could you ever, you know, get all those animals? How would they, it's just, it's logistically it just doesn't make sense. But you know, that story was there to explain, you know, explain you know how we got all these different types of animals uh, but it's 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 so yeah a long-winded answer but you know I, I don't know what to believe about god i don't know which god to believe in i don't know who's right i don't know who's wrong i don't know uh, i don't know a lot of things and that's fair so would you say that you believe there is a god or would you say that you don't believe or is it just a possibility in your mind? I think it's a possibility. I would say I'm open to it, um, but I don't know if I if I have at least enough evidence in my mind to say that you know they're defend, that, that there's more likely than not that there is a God or that you know who that God may be. Okay. Uh, but I think it's possible. So you sit somewhere between agnostic and atheistic. Sure. Yes, that's fair. All right, second question here, kind of piggybacking a little bit on the first, but what do you believe happens after death? You know, that's a, that's a tough one. It kind of goes into my first answer that there are a bunch of different societies, religions that you know all have different answers for what happens after death. Uh, and I don't, I don't know who to believe. In my mind, I just think it, it seems more likely that you know that when you die, you die, that there's really nothing, uh, after that, uh, at least in my mind, that's what I think makes the most sense. But uh, again, it's something that, you know, you don't really know until it happens. I think again, that I think as a society that we would, as humans, we would like to believe that, you know, we don't ever truly die, that things continue either, you know, you get reincarnated or that, you know, your soul moves on to live elsewhere. I think that that's a, it's a calming thought to people because I don't think anybody really wants to die. I think that, you know, humans have always had a hard time accepting their, their mortality. Um, so I think that, you know, a lot of people want it to be true that we don't necessarily die. So I think that's why people are more apt to believe in that and cling to it because it's, it's, it's you know, we are, we are a, a hopeful species, but at least to me personally, I think it just makes more sense that, you know, when you're, when you're dead, you're, you're dead. So how does that thought make you feel? Does it affect you at all? Do you think about it? I mean, I think it is, uh, I do think about it. I mean, I think it's, uh, it's definitely not, you know, a fun thing, but I think that it kind of dictates how I live my life and what I do, because I, I don't, I don't believe that I'm, God, there is no other place after death. This is your one life, so this is your time to, to enjoy and get things done. I don't think that, that you know, you're gonna. You know, I don't think that there is a, there is a, you know, a heaven of Valhalla, you know, a purgatory, uh, anything. I don't think you get reincarnated. I think that you have one life to live. Um, so that's kind of how I how I view it, and that's kind of. I don't, I don't ever want to, you know, be on my deathbed in the future and, and feel like that, you know, I live regrets or feel like that I didn't get to do something. 
So I do think about it, but I kind of use that to motivate me to, to you know, get out and try things and do things. Take advantage of the time you have. Yes. Gotcha. So what gives life its meaning then? Again, it depends on, depends on the person. Uh, I think that, you know, we all have different goals, different aspirations. Um, I think that, uh, you know, a common theme you'll find is that, you know, for a lot of people, we, we like to do things that give us enjoyment, that give us pleasure, that give us satisfaction. Um, so I think that, you know, that's important. And those things are different depending on the person. I mean, some people think that for them, biggest sense of satisfaction and pleasures, you know, family, you know, getting married, having kids, you know, raising people. Some people get satisfaction of giving back to their community, volunteering. Um, and, you know, that's, that's, that's what, you know, their, their meaning is. That's what their purpose is. Some people get, uh, you know, money is important to people sometimes, you know, that's, that's their goal, finding professional success, financial success. That's their, that's their meaning. So I think it, I think it depends, you know, personally to me, um, you know, kind of relates to my previous answer. It's, it's experiencing things and, and living life with no regrets. And, um, you know, when that time does come where, you know, I'm, not, I'm no longer on this earth, just, uh, being able to think back on life and, and, you know, thinking I had fun. So I guess that's the meaning of life to me. It's just, it's having fun. All right, Ante. Here it is, brother. You made it to the end. Well, this is the last question. Uh-huh. Of the top 12, the last question in the personal and religion category, what is love? I mean, love comes in, you know, many different degrees, many different forms. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's obviously an emotion. Um, I think that love is something that is unique to humans. I think that other animals, other species can have an attraction to somebody. I think you can have a mate. I think it's more instinctual. And I think at its core, I think love is, is an instinct because obviously as humans, we have a, uh, you know, there, it, it, uh, it, it behooves us to obviously, you know, multiply and have children and, and continue society. But, um, I think it's, it's a little bit more complex in humans. Um, you know, there's different types of love as well. I mean, you can love, you obviously have a love for, you know, a significant other, a spouse, a, a wife, a husband, a girlfriend, boyfriend. But I think you can love your friends and obviously you love your family, but they're all very, very different kinds of love, hopefully, um, you know, depending on where you live. Uh, but it's, it's a, you know, depending on the version of love, I think it depends on, on what it is. Because obviously when we're talking about a significant other, I mean, it's a, Love has to deal with attraction, and love has to deal with commitment, and and you know what you'd be willing to do for that person. Um, and it's it's admiring somebody. Um, it's 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 a very complicated question, with a very complicated answer. It depends. It's the, it's the answer to everything. Awesome. Well, thanks, Ante, for uh, for that. You made it through the tough twelve. Again, everybody's favorite part of the podcast. So. Where can people find out more about you? No, I'm on social media, you know, Facebook, Instagram, uh, you know, all but my first and last name, Ante Webb. Uh, you know, look me up, find me. Uh, hopefully, you know, one day I become extremely rich and extremely famous. Uh, and then I'll have to, uh, you know, 
give you a, a gag order and sue you to get this taken off the internet so I don't get canceled 20 years from now, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Great. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. I really appreciate your time. Next week on Contentious Talks. So on the progressive side, if, if you're not 100% aligned with this belief system, then you're the enemy. If you're if you, if you believe, or if you're the on the opposite side, then you're you're now the enemy of the other one. Like I, I to like a lot of my conservative friends, if I say something like if I say Black Lives Matter, all of a sudden to like a lot of my ultra conservative friends, they think that I'm now this ultra progressive liberal whatever. You know, I I, I am now their enemy. Oh. To value people, you have to value their experience, even if their experience is at odds with your ideology. Because, like, I'll, I'll give you an example. So, like, my wife is half black. She was raised by her white dad, who's extremely white, um, and her mom wasn't really a part of the picture. And now, or right now, she she's going. She's kind of embracing the black side of her, which is kind of a little uncomfortable for me. Mostly because, like, it's not really um, uncomfortable is the wrong word. It's, it's, it's a new experience for me because, like, I've, I've only known Ashley. I've never known Ashley who's, like, embracing full-on black culture, realizing that, hey, there's a part of her life that she actually missed, like, entirely in her life because her mom wasn't there. As a parent to an autistic child, the, the battle that I face is almost exclusively internally because of this. I don't know how my child will end up. The reality is, with all my kids, I don't, I don't know how they will turn out. Sure. But with a neurotypical child, you have a general idea. Hey guys, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Contentious Talks. Did you like the episode? If so, please consider sharing this podcast with your friends and family. To get notified about new episodes, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to connect more, like Contentious Talks on Facebook. To support Contentious Talks and for more content, consider joining the Contentious Collective for as little as $1 a month. To do so, visit ContentiousTalks.com today. Contentious Talks is produced, hosted, filmed, and edited by Ryan Malinowski. Contentious Talks, copyright 2020, all rights reserved.